Hello, this is Martin McKay. And this is Chris John Riley. And we would like to welcome you to the official podcast for the 30th Annual FIRST Conference being held in Kuala Lumpur, June 24th through 29th, 2018. For more information, go to www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress. Hello, today Chris and I are talking to Chad Loven, who is the VP of Sales and Marketing at VMRay. And uh, how are you doing today, Chad? Uh, hi, thanks uh, very much for the introduction. I'm, I'm doing great. Very uh, excited to be uh, here for this podcast and uh, looking forward to uh, telling you more about us. Well, actually, let's start there because Chris and I have done a little bit of looking at what you do, but I don't know if, if uh, VMRay is actually a household name for folks around the world. Yeah, I, I would say say we're not. Of course, uh, we are very good uh, and very well known within uh, you know our, our core uh, customer base, of course, in our own uh, sort of circle, if you like. Uh, we've uh, we've got a very good uh, reputation over that we developed over the last decade uh, through uh, the co-founders uh, Carson Willems and, and Ralph Hund, who uh, built the reputation doing uh, dynamic binary analysis uh, in Germany, and uh, have. You know, become if you Google their names, you'll see a lot of their academic papers being presented, and and really have this uh, this uh, knowledge base that they've applied to VMRay uh, around automated marrow analysis, and that's really the gist of what we do, and the gist of uh, what makes us difference different is is leveraging that uh, academic background that they have uh, for uh, you know what is now the the commercial product. So automated malware analysis that means basically putting a piece of malware on a VM and then doing everything you can to fool it into believing it's on a, on an actual bare bone, a bare what? Um, bare metal. metal. Yes, thank you. But that bare metal device and doing what you can to understand what it's trying to do. Yeah, at a, at a high level, that's exactly it. And uh, you know, we've expanded around that that core sandbox functionality, uh, you know, to make it you know more of a broader you know threat analysis and detection system. So you can submit you know whatever you know it could be a PDF, a script, an executable, a URL uh, into you know what essentially is is you know our black box, and out comes a verdict uh, with uh, you know various levels of detailed analysis. So uh, the user, whether that's like a, an OEM, you know, we have uh, technology vendors that use our our product, of course, like like sonic wall uh, or an enterprise uh, or you know a DFI or somebody doing digital forensics and incident response whatever that use case is you know the, the file or URL goes in and the output uh, is uh, that verdict based on on what's observed in various analysis environments and and the the, the nuance is of course is that you know we can we can replicate the the end users environments so uh, the, the Unlike a, you know a lot of sandbox approaches where you've got a sort of a generic environment, uh, if the targeted if it's a targeted attack and it's looking for a particular localization, a particular mix of applications, a particular kind of user interaction, uh, with with our approach we can basically replicate that exactly uh, and without having any artifacts on the target machine. So there's nothing for the malware to look at as it's being analyzed and say, "Oops, I'm I'm in a fake environment. I'm in an analysis environment. I'm going to throw off a fake result." Uh, it's going to assume uh, that it it is hit exactly what it intends to hit. So you mentioned w without kind of hitting any, any kind of artifacts that 
trigger the the uh, the malware to kind of realize it's in an analysis environment. It kind of seems like a, a cat and mouse game where obviously people are constantly coming up with new ways to detect things. You're coming up with new ways to protect against them. Uh, how how accurate is that? Is it is it become now kind of you can actually hide 100% or is it always going to be this cat and mouse game where you're constantly trying to improve the product? Well, so a little bit of background. So uh, I, was, I was in business with uh, the CEO, Carsten, over a decade ago uh, when we commercialized a, a very early automated malware sandbox called CW Sandbox that I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with. It had a, a public sandbox. It was owned by uh, or commercialized by a company called Sunbelt that got acquired by GFI. And a decade ago, we, we had that cat and mouse problem. You know, We were using an approach called hooking. We were injecting a, a driver into the target machine. And we started off in user land. We went to kernel mode. We were trying all kinds of stuff to to hide the hook basically and didn't matter what we did eventually the malware authors uncovered the hook and we had to go back and figure out another way to hide it so you you can never win at that cat and mouse game and so with the, the approach that we took doing everything in the hypervisor uh you know I, I use the analogy of the matrix where keanu reeves is the malware and uh you know you're trying to hide the presence of agent smith and the glitches in the matrix you know we've built a, a better matrix uh where you know keanu is happy in his own little world, uh, really can't see anything that gives him any clue that he's in a fake environment, and that's 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 really uh, what we've accomplished. So, in one level, we've we've avoided the cat and mouse altogether. There is no artifact for the malware to detect. Uh, there's still other ways malware will will try to to make those detections outside of the actual um, artifacts of the analysis environment. You know, they're going to look at things like um, you know how many files are in the My Documents folder, uh, has the uh, desktop background been updated? You know, we've seen things like it'll it'll make a determination based on the number of running processes does this constitute what I expect to see in a real environment so there's always uh, that ongoing issue where somewhat out of our control where uh, we, we have to give guidance to the customer that if, as they create their environments they have to make sure it's as realistic as possible the best way to do that is to basically copy your own environment over into the analysis and uh, machines so since we support that at, at the end of the day uh, you know we can present to the malware you know the identical environment that it's looking for and you know essentially avoid that issue altogether so that sounds like it's it's an interesting take for a more general malware how does this how does this play into kind of more um i hate to say the word apt because it's been been overused so much but but highly targeted attacks that are specifically looking for um systems within an environment i know you mentioned copying over the exact environment but Mm. how does that fit in with with kind of more smart malware well, it, exactly. And that plays to our strengths. You know, like the more generic malware will be less fussy about the kind of environment it's, it's executing in because it can't afford to be that picky, right? You know, like if you take like a, a ransomware targeting consumers and small businesses, it really can't make it. It may make some very basic judgment. Uh, you know, it may say, you know, if you detect Ukrainian localization language settings, then shut down. All right, fine. Uh, but uh, other than that, you know, it's going to it's going to you know basically want to run on everything. On the other hand, uh, you know, nation state uh, attacks targeting another nation state are going to look for those very specific localizations and application mix and uh, that's where you know you really have to replicate that more or less exactly to get the intended uh, the intended uh, actions and uh, execution uh, to, to really be able to extract from that the indicators of compromise or the IOCs uh, that you need to take action so I know one of the 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 recent or maybe even not so recent I'm not, I'm not an expert in this area but um, 
kind of controls was that malware was simply um, once it executes on the system, waiting five minutes before it does anything, right? To try and avoid that situation where it's in a sandbox, mm. um, because traditionally sandbox analysis was shorter time periods. See what it does immediately, and then then let it go. And if it doesn't do anything for X amount of time, then this seems like a, a, a fine sample to, to to pass on. How are you combating that kind of analysis? Are you leaving things running for longer periods of time? Well, you know, in a, in a practical sense, you, you you can't really do that, of course, uh, because you know you don't have time. You don't have and and, f- and forget about five, you know sleeps of five minutes. I mean, we've seen sleeps of of literally days, right? You know, there's no there's no constraint on the malware author to say, you know what, I'm just going to sit there for. Well, there is, of course, sometimes, but a lot of the time, uh, they've they've got all the time in the world, so they could set it for you know days or even weeks. Uh, so the way we we combat it is uh, get a little different from other other approaches. So the the typical approach is you'll you'll just force the sleep to zero, which is fine. You except the problem is that 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 action of forcing the sleep to zero makes you detectable. Uh, in in our environment, because again we're external, we we can just accelerate the clock to the end of that period. And furthermore, uh, because of our approach, uh, we can we can we we can survive a reboot. So you know, again, uh, in the scenario you just outlined, typically what will happen is not only will it say, you know what, I'm going to go to sleep until next Tuesday, uh, it'll also say, I'm not really going to do anything malicious until I reboot. And uh, so. In those scenarios, we'll basically, you know, advance the clock and cycle through to reboot, and then continue the analysis uninterrupted. And that's uh, that's again a major advantage for those kinds of attacks. So it sounds like a a, a big leap in in how people are doing kind of uh, sandboxing of, of malware. Um, what are you what are you learning from all of these different environments? Are you able to take on board kind of the output of all of these new pieces of malware you're seeing and analyzing and kind of use that to build a better sandbox? Uh, you know, certainly that's that's an ongoing process. You know, uh, fundamentally we don't have to worry about say uh, the, the malware detecting the sandbox environment itself, but so but certainly the the application mix uh, changes, uh, the detection of what constitutes a real environment always changes. Uh, so that's that's definitely an ongoing process. Uh, you know, we certainly see that uh, uh, malware authors will use uh, sometimes somewhat obscure uh, file formats, or sometimes resurrect uh, file formats from the dead. You know. Uh, you know, not so long ago, we saw obscure archive formats like Ace uh, coming back. You know, like uh, who the heck ever uses Ace? But there you go. Uh, that's that's a, I think an indication of some success. You know, when the malware authors are forced to to use these marginal formats, uh, then it means to to a large extent we've started to do our job. And I, I mean our, us as an industry uh, that it's become increasingly difficult for them to 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 do the more obvious things. So. I mean, just a, a general question is, how often are you seeing some of this type of, of nation-state actor or, or really uh, complex malware compared to just the everyday stuff? Uh, my sense is that it would be very rare, but is it? Yeah, so that's a good question. And the most interesting stuff we don't have visibility on because uh, you know, the, the the customers of ours that um, do see the quote unquote most interesting stuff run, you know, typically on prem, even air gapped. Uh, they're not sharing anything back to us, uh, it, you know, except in the rare case they may come back and ask, you know, like about scoring and some behavioral analysis. We sort of almost have to infer, read the tea leaves in terms of the questions they're asking. What's what's the underlying issue? For for obvious reasons, they're, they're just not going to share a lot. So uh, if we look at 
that you know the cloud uh, instances we're running where we see uh, you know so the aggregate results uh, you know certainly uh, you know we, we see that you know those uh, as I mentioned you know the file formats are there's a long tail of, of obscure file formats there's no question you know of course PDFs are, st are still very popular no matter what uh, and but you know it's it's hard to, I would say, to give a generalized stat, except to say there's there's certainly an ongoing, um, you know, attempts at the margins. Uh, you know, the, the Talos Intelligence, for instance, posted uh, just a couple of days ago about uh, malware, a nation-state malware. That I believe it's targeting India, where uh, the malware was doing an obscure query uh, on the CPU temperature, and uh, so you know. This was, you know, something that most vendors in the security industry hadn't really had really occurred to them to to return a sort of a, a response on that. So through through that, uh, you know, the the malware could at least determine uh, probably quite definitively, uh, you know, what kind of VM it was running on. Uh, not not an absolute win from the malware author's perspective, of course, because you know the problem with VM detection is, you know, that that might be the actual production environment these days. But nevertheless, uh, you know, that that's that's a pretty good example of where you're always seeing these these poking around at the edges of uh, different kinds of malware uh, analysis detection techniques. I was going to say that with the move to obviously move everything to the cloud, it seems mm. to be almost there. A malware authors could literally be ignoring environments that do end up being the production environment because they are virtualized. They are running in an environment where if you check the CPU temperature on your virtual machine, it's mm. either going to give you nothing or it's going to give you a, a, a fake value because it's not actually interesting to your virtual machine and what the temperature is of the, the system that's actually running things. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, similarly, as I mentioned a few months ago, we saw malware trying to, you know, make a determination of are there 50 processes running? Uh, and if not, I'm going to assume I'm being analyzed. Well, that's that's a bit of a sketchy uh, test for the malware author, right? Because, you know, maybe there aren't 50 processes running on the intended target. Uh, so so I, I view that as a, as a bit of a win for the good guys that were pushing them into these marginal use cases uh, where they, they may or may not succeed in their intended goal. So I guess the question is, what, what does the future hold once we start to move more towards virtualized desktops um, and maybe with, as operating systems tend to, to start virtualizing their applications more, how, how do the malware authors then move beyond that kind of level of detection? Well, I, if I was a malware author, and we see this, of course, already, but uh, you know, we can expect uh, that to get more sophisticated. Uh, you know, one of the things we have to do within our environment is automated user interaction, right? So, if you see an office doc that's prompting to enable a macro and all that kind of stuff, you know, you do the obvious stuff. You override the UAC prompt. You say yes, I'm going to enable the macro. Uh, there's subtle cues and giveaways. Uh, at least at a crude level, if you don't do it right, uh, that may trigger or alert the malware that you know that that user interaction is actually automated, uh, and they could look for things. We see them looking for things like you know, is the mouse completely uh, immobile in between uh, prompts? Uh, so. So, you know, it's it's quite trivial for us to to overcome those kinds of things, and you know, sort of you know, give them the responses they would expect from a real user. But I, I would expect that the malware authors will will put more effort into that, you know, to make that the distinction between automated user interaction versus what can what constitutes uh, a real user. But again, you know, there's there's a loss for them, right? Because the more, um, you know, the, there's good reasons why the mouse may not be moving for a live user, and uh, you know, just as we we've all suffered the frustration of dealing with a capture, uh, you know, the it becomes less clear and less uh, less easy to you know to make that determination ultimately uh, what is uh, what is a real user versus an automated user. So switching um, tracks a little bit, 
what brings an organization like VMRA into contact with FIRST and why a sponsorship? What does that gain for you? Well, that's, you know, FIRST is, is a great audience for us just because, uh, you know, everyone, uh, literally everyone in the world who is running a, a country level cert uh, is is you know is a member by definition and uh, the chances are uh, to one degree or another obviously some some nations are much more affected than others uh, they are dealing with some form of targeted attack even if it's as simple as you know is is a is the environment I'm running in uh, running the, the, the appropriate localization that I would expect if I'm trying to hit this country uh, so so we found it's a very receptive audience for us uh, even at the enterprise level, of course, uh, you know the large enterprises that have intellectual property to protect, uh, they certainly have the same issue. Uh, so, so it's it's a knowledgeable audience, and so they speak our language. And because, you know, of course, sandboxing itself is a commodity. I mean, you can you can download mm. Cuckoo and knock yourself out. So we 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 want to speak to people who understand the distinction between you know just a you know basic uh, you know plain uh, let's execute this thing in a VM and see what happens kind of scenario versus what we're doing. And uh, for that. That, that that audience is audience is a great one. It seems like a, a good opportunity as well as you mentioned to speak to people who are speaking the same language and kind of get some input from them on what they're seeing and where uh, the the environments are moving. It seems like a, a good opportunity to make the product better while trying to give back to the community at the same time. Yeah, ab absolutely. And uh, you know we can't disclose, uh, of course, necessarily what we do uh, behind the scenes, but uh, certainly we are feeding back uh, into uh, some of the threat intel partners, uh, some of the stuff that we see, uh, you know, because we monitor, you know, what is scoring high or I should say what's scoring very low, say on VirusTotal or, you know, other uh, feeds and uh, so anything that scores low but you know we see uh, you know evidently malicious behavioral detection that's something you need to be particularly concerned about so we feed that back in the community and say hey you know everyone needs to take a closer look at this kind of thing because uh, it's slipping through all the usual defenses but uh, absolutely clearly malicious under these circumstances great well thank you very much for taking the time to chat with the chat I really appreciate it I've learned a lot about uh, malware sandboxing so I hope to we hope we get a chance to, to chat in Kuala Lumpur and dive into tomorrow the details yeah same here I'll be there with my my CEO I will uh, Carsten, so we'll be there for the week so looking forward to meeting uh, you and the, the rest of the uh, first uh, community of course great thank you very much that's that's all computer activated You've been listening to the official podcast of the 30th Annual First Conference in Kuala Lumpur, held June 24th to the 29th, 2018. For more information, please check www.first.org. Thank you and have a good day. It's okay. Fine by me.